First reading this morning is from Psalm 77. Um, first, we're going to read verses 1 and 2, and then we're going to skip ahead a bit and read verses 11 to 20. I cry aloud to God, aloud to God that he may hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. And now verse 11. I will call to mind the deeds of the Lord. I will remember your wonders of old. I will meditate on all your work and muse on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is so great as our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have displayed your might among the peoples. With your strong arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. The very deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies thundered. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea, your path through the mighty waters, yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hands of Moses and Aaron. Our second reading today is taken from 1 Kings chapter 19, and we're going to read verses 1 to 18. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So may the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life like the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid. He got up and fled for his life, and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah. He left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a solitary broom tree. He asked that he might die. It is enough now. O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the broom tree and fell asleep. Suddenly, an angel touched him and said to him, Get up and eat. He looked and there at his head was a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. He ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came a second time, touched him and said, Get up and eat, otherwise the journey will be too much for you. He got up and ate and drank. Then he went in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the Mount of God. At that place, he came to a cave and spent the night there. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, What are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. He said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now, there was a great wind, so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks in pieces before the Lord. But 
the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Then there came a voice to him that said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. Then the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive, you shall anoint Hazel as king over Aram. Also, you shall anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. And you shall anoint, you shall anoint Elisha, son of Shepat of Abel-Mahola, as prophet in your place. Whoever escapes from the sword, the sword of Hazael, Jehu shall kill. And whoever escapes from the sword of Jehu, Elisha shall kill. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. It is a joy to be with you this morning. As Luke said, it's my first time on a Sunday morning, but I feel like I've been in this building so often, it's like a second home. But it's a joy to be with you on this Sunday morning, but also slightly nerve-wracking. I'm not normally one to get nervous, but found myself this week feeling nervous. And so I want to start by acknowledging um, a few things. This won't be the best sermon you'll ever hear. I'm not the cleverest preacher that to have ever stood on this stage. I'm not the most creative preacher to have ever stood on this stage. I'm not the best good-looking preacher to stand on this stage, though I'll give that one a best, my best shot. Uh, and nor will I be the funniest, but again, I will give that one a good shot as well. And then I realised that actually none of that really matters. What I can bring you is simply me, and that fits rather nicely with the scripture this morning. This story in 1 Kings chapter 19. This happens to be my favourite scripture. And it's also this week's lectionary reading, so there's some divine conspiracy around it. The service was started with my favourite piece of classical music as well, without even knowing about it, so God must be doing something, I suppose. This is a story about God, about cake, about giving up, about being, about running away, about running out of ourselves, and about listening. It's a fabulous story in many ways. I'm not going to get into whether I think this story um, is literal or not, but I will just talk about the story and let you interpret that as you are comfortable with. I don't know if you've ever felt like you've ran out of yourself. I don't know if you've ever felt like you've got to the point where you think, I have nothing left. If you haven't, wonderful, because it's a miserable feeling. It's a scary feeling. It's a horrible feeling. And here in this story, we find Elijah running out of himself. 
Not sure where to go, not sure what to do, not sure how to cope. And the only solution, the only solution he could come up with is to say to God, kill me. Take my life. This is a story of raw emotion, about being authentic to how you feel. Now, I'm an emotional person. Like, I cry at adverts. I'm that sort of emotional person. I was at the cinema recently, and the Lloyds Bank advert came on, the new one with the, the horse and the foal walking through a field. That is literally it. It's a horse and a foal walking through a field. I was like, it's so beautiful. Look at them walk through the field. And my son was like, Daddy, why are you crying? I, like, I don't know. Look at it. It's so beautiful. I'm an emotional person. And I love the thing, I think the thing I love about this story is there's the whole breadth of human emotion within it. It's such a raw story in so many ways. And there's an integrity about owning how you feel and not pretending things are fine. Like we do in church. How are you? I'm fine. No, you're not. No, I'm not. If we go back to 1 Kings 18, we could argue that Elijah, Elijah has just had the most successful moment of his life in defeating the prophets of Baal. Most probably Baal Shamin, the weather god, the god known for bringing rain and drought, and in some traditions, the god of sun as well. And here is little Elijah, in the minority, who according to the story stops the rain and cools down extreme weather from heaven. The prophets have been slashing themselves to appease and maybe bait their god but nothing. And we can't escape the violence of the story, can we? So often violence in the Hebrew scriptures isn't there to be normative. As that's to say, it's not there to show us how to do things. But read within the whole canon of scripture, we see an unfurling justice and restoration towards peace. But these violent acts remain for us to read and to be disturbed by. After this event, after defeating the prophets in that context, you would think that Elijah would probably be on top of the world. And as in so many things in life, when you have an absolute high, it can be followed by a very deep, and sometimes even deeper, low. Here we find the breadth of human emotion, from jubilation to despair, from ecstasy to suicidal thoughts, or at least thoughts of not wanting to be alive. This is a story about running away and a story about running out of ourselves. Elijah, from what I can tell, must have been pretty exhausted. If you're the only one who seems to be fighting the good fight, if you're the only one who seems to be standing up for the right cause, that can be an incredibly exhausting and lonely place. And Elijah runs out of himself and runs away and collapses under a tree. He says to God, I've had enough. I'm tired. I'm fed up. Just take my life. I'm done now. I wonder if you've ever got to that point. Or if, you've, if you know someone who's got to that point. Again, it's a point I hope you don't get to, but I think more of us get there than we would like to acknowledge. Quite a few of us, I think, at some point get to the point where we go, 
done now. It's not a snowflake generation feeling. It's a human reaction to extreme circumstance. And here's Elijah feeling that. And now we get to my favorite part of the story. Cake. This is a story of running away. It's a story of running out of ourselves. And it's a story about cake. And here we have, for me, what is one of my pivotal images of who God is. Of what sort of God I worship. Elijah says to God, kill me. And God says, have some cake and go to sleep. This is the God I worship. It's a beautiful image of God's concern for us in all aspects, physical, spiritual, and emotional. There are few things in life which aren't helped by cake and sleep. I'm sure you would agree. Unless you're diabetic, in which case those could be a lethal combination, so don't do that. I don't know what image of God you have. If someone says the word God, I don't know what sort of image comes into your mind. Maybe it's Christ on the cross. Maybe it's an old man with a beard. Maybe it's flashes of colour and light. I doubt, though, the picture you have is of someone turning up and giving you cake. If you mention the word God, to me, the first thing that comes into my mind is a mother in the kitchen cooking for and with me. A mother who is deeply defensive of her brood, and yet everyone is welcome at the table. Nothing is too much of a bother, but if you step out of line, my goodness, you'll know about it. For me, this is the sort of God that turns up here in this moment, at this point, for Elijah, to meet him where he was at in his need. And the story continues, and Elijah goes to Mount Horeb, also known as Sinai, the mountain of God, the place you expect God to be. Elijah seemed to kind of run into the wilderness, not really knowing where he was going, and now there's a purpose to his journey. There's a destination for him to go to. He arrives on the mountain of God, and God asks a really interesting question. What are you doing here, Elijah? Why are you here? I went to the GP this week, and they asked me the same question. Did the GP ever ask you that question? You arrive at the GP, what are you doing here? What can I do for you? What's wrong? Well, I don't know, I'm not a GP. That's why I'm here. If I knew I wouldn't be here, would I? It's not dissimilar to the question that God asked Elijah. What are you doing here, Elijah? And, and Elijah doesn't really answer, does he? He just gives a list of all of his woes, of everything that's kind of gone wrong. Reading between the lines, I don't really think he knows why he's there. It's probably why he answers in the way he does. Like when the GP asked me, why are you here? I was like, oh, I don't really know. I just didn't really know where else to go, I suppose. I think God says, go stand outside. And the, for those of us who've been around church for a little bit, this is probably the bit of the story we know quite well. There was a great wind that broke rocks, but God wasn't in that. There was an earthquake, but God wasn't in that. There was fire, but God wasn't in that. And then there was silence. But God wasn't in the silence either. At least not according to my reading. Silence can be deafening, can't it? 
If you're waiting to hear from a loved one and you don't hear anything, the silence can be oppressive. If you're waiting on news, the silence can be overpowering. But it can be comforting as well. If you go on holiday or escape to the country from the city and everything is still, it can be a comforting noise, silence. And I suggest that for Elijah, it was probably both comforting and deafening at the same time. After the noise of the wind and the earthquake and the fire, I imagine silence would have been a blessed relief. But it also would have been overpowering, I imagine. The sense that something is going to happen. And here God is almost making a statement. Elijah has just defeated Baal, the weather god. And here is God not turning up in extreme weather. It's almost as if God is saying, I'm not that sort of God. That's not how I operate. I'm the God who asks you, what do you want? What are you doing here? And so he asks that same question again to Elijah, after the silence. The silence happens. The silence is to be endured. And then after the silence, God says, what are you doing here again? And again, the same answer. And God appears in the same sort of way as the gentle God who turns up with cake. In stark contrast to chapter 18, where there is fire and there is power, however we want to define that, we now see the gentle God who turns up with cake. This image of God is quietly, beautifully simple, and yet ever so powerful. God answers Elijah's complaint, redresses the balance and says, no, 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 you may feel alone, but you're not alone. There are 7,000 others. You may feel alone, but you're not alone. But you are almost done, Elijah. The story ends, this bit of the interaction with God and Elijah ends with Elijah being told to recruit Elisha to take over from him, to take his place. Your work is done. You've done as much as you possibly can. You've led these people, my people, as far as you can possibly lead them. Now it's time for someone else to take over. I always wonder if that's the message Elijah wanted or needed to hear. I wonder what Elijah expected. He went to the same mountain where Moses received the commandments. I wonder if that's what Elijah was expecting, a kind of gym, a, a, a pep talk from God. It's all right, keep going. You can do this. Here is a new command. Here is a new man- mandate to go and to do something. I wonder whether he expected to hear, your time's up. It's coming to an end. You need to hand over to someone else. All of us get to the point where we need to hand things over. When we have taken the thing we are looking after or set up, as far as we can possibly take it. 
and we need to hand it over. There's no shame in that. Good foundations are incredibly important. But sometimes, most of the time, when we run out of ourselves, it's a warning that perhaps we've done as much as we possibly can. And now it's time to hand over. This project, this group, this church, whatever that might be, sometimes the only answer is go and appoint Elisha to be a prophet in your place. This is a story about running away. It's a story about running out of ourselves. It's a story about cake. It's a story about handing things over. But ultimately, it's a story about a God who meets us in the way we need in that moment and in that place, not necessarily in the way we want God to meet us. Let's pray. Gracious God, for those moments when the silence is deafening, comfort us. For those moments the silence is comforting, help us to embrace it. For those moments we run away, help us find our way. For those moments we run out of ourselves, help us find you. For the moments we need to hand on, give us humility and strength. And ultimately, God of love, bring us cake. Amen. Let's pray together. Loving God, in word and song, we have connected with you today. Seeking a fullness of spirit as this gathered body. And now we come before you in prayer, seeking the gentle whisperings of your Holy Spirit to move us on. We are a world torn apart. Disunity falls upon us like plagues and our hearts are grieved by politicians seeking private gain at the cost of those poorest. For the politics of fear, greed and isolation, we struggle to find hope in the devastation. Our planet suffers at the hands that dig deep below the surface, that pillage the treasures that have been dormant for generations. We carry our reusable cups and recycle what we can, yet the oceans continue to fill up with waste and mountains of rubbish grow bigger and bigger. I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands, and I would not be comforted. When all you see is disunity, remember that I bring harmony. You cry out against those who harm, yet look at those who stand united, those protesting, the new generation that is rising up, that hope that a better tomorrow is possible. Remember my deeds, the deeds of the divine. Yes, remember the miracles of long ago. Consider my works and meditate on those mighty deeds. With my mighty arm, you people have been redeemed. 
the UK stands lost, stuck in the fables of history, unable to charter a course forward. Our politicians are divided, they bicker and split the spoils between them. Their ignorance and lack of leadership is felt when hate crime continues to increase and when lives are lost to knives. We look for a leader who can champion the weakest, yet all we find are fools. Our neighbours are forced to food banks, our healthcare continues under a tormenting burden. Those most vulnerable lose their homes, their families and their livelihoods. I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands, and I would not be comforted. I can see that you're lost, but the light of hope remains. Communities that join together in celebration, they remind you that I am with you. Through pride festivals in which beautiful diversity made in my image is out for all to see. You are reminded that love wins and that I am love. Remember my deeds, the deeds of the divine. Yes, remember the miracles of long ago. Consider my works and meditate on those mighty deeds. With my mighty arm, you, my people, have been redeemed. As a gathered people, we are tired. Our schedules are busy. The need is great. We have committed to a gathered church here, yet we feel constrained and restricted. Concerned by the future, trapped in fear of money and resource. Our voice is loud, but it feels like our presence is small. We are a lone voice calling in the wind, and all that returns is silence. We seek to discern your calling. We seek to discern your vision for us. Yet our thoughts are clouded and our ideas strained by practicalities. Where there is joy, it so often feels tempered by sadness. Where is our lightness of faith? I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands, and I would not be comforted. I hear your weary voices. Your groans cry out to me. But know your cries are not unheard, and that I also hear the sounds of laughter, voices raised in joy, celebrations that bring you all together, birthdays celebrated in love, food shared outside in the warmth of the summer, songs of praise lifted by committed hearts, and earnest prayers that rise to me like incense, drawing out my kingdom. I am with you in both joy and lament. You are not alone. Remember my deeds, the deeds of the divine. Yes, remember the miracles of long ago and consider my works. Meditate on those mighty deeds. Because with my arm, you, my people, have been redeemed. We offer these prayers and the prayers of our hearts. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. <laughs> 